You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DNB Supply Show. Well, I'm sure that you have noticed a change in the temperature with those lows and some frost in the mornings and those lower highs and cool evenings. And so we are going to spend this episode and our next episode talking about pellet stoves and wood burning stoves. We got an expert coming on from DNB Supply to talk all about that and what a wealth of information. Really looking forward to bringing this to you. And while I'm going to miss the growing season and miss the green grass of spring and summer and even fall, boy, do I like to sit in front of a nice warm fire in the evenings. And you can do that in front of either a pellet stove, a wood-burning stove. It's all so nice and refreshing. So I hope you enjoy this interview. Hope you get something great out of it. And I hope you stay nice and warm this winter. Joining me today is Monty Weaver. And Monty is a hearth technician with DNB Supply. And he is our go-to expert when it comes to pellet stoves, wood-burning stoves, gas stoves. And we're going to talk all about heating your house in those ways on this episode. Actually, we're going to be talking and focusing on pellet stoves. But Monty, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks. Yeah, you bet. I'm looking forward to this conversation. This is something near and dear to my heart. Uh, Here on our farm, we've been here six years, and this is the third home that I've ever owned, and we've had wood heat or pellet heat in each house, and on purpose. That is something that I I really enjoy, so I'm looking forward to learning more. I wanted to ask you, how did you get involved in this? How did you develop your expertise and and find yourself knowing so much about this industry? Well, first of all, I started... uh Back in, I think it was 91, I went to work for a company they called Hearth and Home Technologies. And uh, we built and designed pellet stoves, gas stoves, wood stoves, uh, the whole realm of heating, and uh, even the big wood fireplaces. So uh, starting in R&D, worked my way through, and uh, ended up out in the field working customer relations, escalated cases, and spent the last 10 years or so helping the customer in their house and the dealerships throughout the United States, Canada, and Alaska. Really? So you've traveled all around dealing with this? Uh, correct. Uh, yeah, we've traveled quite a few times up and uh, seen a lot of country, but seen a lot of interesting uh, installs and such, depending on how the customer was putting it in or the, the dealerships. When it comes to, I don't know, do we call this supplemental heat when we're talking about pellet stoves and wood stoves or primary heat? How do we refer to it? I've always suggested it's a, a secondary or supplementary heat that you always want to make sure your furnace or your main heating source is available. Quite a few people will end up putting a pellet stove or a wood stove in as their primary and take out some of the other, but then they get into a corner uh, power outages to uh, a unit breaking down. Now they have nothing, so it's mm-hmm. a good idea to use this as maybe a, a primary, but still always keep your other primary in working order. Okay. So when we're talking about this, there's three primary ways of, of coming up with, this sounds funny, but three primary ways of coming up with secondary heat, and that's wood-burning stove or fireplace, something like that, a pellet stove, and then a gas stove. And we're going to focus on pellet stoves here today. But with that said, what uh, I guess, what are the benefits of a pellet stove as compared to those other two pieces of, of heating? For me, it's convenience. I have a thermostat that I can run similar to my furnace, and so I don't have to tend it all the time, which is very nice. If you feel like it, you can run it 24-7. You can leave the house, have your temperature set, whatever you want, and it's going to come and go as your furnace does. 
so there is some minor maintenance, of course, uh, roughly once a week. You're going to have to clean parts of the stove. The other thing is you're going to have to feed it if it's a pellet stove. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And, and then cleanliness. Uh, it's going to be a lot cleaner than a wood stove majority of the time. So that makes it a, a very nice handy thing. Now, when it comes to somebody out there listening and they're trying to pick which one they want to go with, a gas stove versus a pellet stove versus a wood-burning stove, I guess the first, well, I guess if somebody were to ask you, what should I buy? What should I go with? What would be the first question you would ask them? First of all, I would ask, uh, are you able or capable of moving pellet bags, pellets around, getting wood? Do you want that hassle or do you want the push button like a gas stove can do? So that's some of the first questions I ask. And then as soon as they start talking about uh, if they have any medical problems, I suggest a couple other ways, which is gas is number one, pellets number two, and then, of course, last is wood. Okay. Now, once you figure out that they're capable, they could they could haul bags of pellets, which are generally, what, 40 pounds? Uh, yes. They can haul firewood. They don't mind going to get firewood, but they're just trying to think what's going to be best to serve me in terms of heat, convenience, all the different combined factors. What's the next thing you're going to ask them? Usually, I, I kind of look at what are you looking for as convenience? Like I said, my, my pellet stove, is, it's great for me. I turn the thermostat on, I feed it, and it does what it's going to do as long as I, uh, you know, take care of it a little bit. Uh, The wood stove, though, uh, you know, I'm going to tell them they're going to have to definitely feed it, take care of it, and consider the cold house when you come home. Uh, That's another thing that a Mm -hmm. lot of people don't realize. Yeah, I've got to light a fire. Uh, There's only one unit out there that I know of that can run more than about uh, eight to ten hours that I can think of off the top of my head, and that's a new one that Quadrifera came out with, but it runs on the thermostat. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, uh, yeah, you got to think about, i got to light the stove when I get home. The house is going to be cold. It's going to take a few hours to warm the house up. So are you looking at that, or do you want to have the convenience of having a unit that will start and stop as it tells it to as far as temperature-wise? Now, when it comes to the heat requirements for the home, are we talking about, do most people come when they talk to you, are they talking about, wanting something for ambiance and a little bit of extra heat in a certain area, or they want to really heat the entire home or, or provide a large percentage of the heat for the home through one of these units? We're going to get kind of down the middle of the road. Uh, there's a lot of places they want to warm up a specific area. So I suggest a gas stove or pellet stove for that. Then you're going to get the people that are out there to heat the whole house. Mm-hmm. And so we have some different options or avenues we could look at from larger freestanding pellet stoves to inserts or the wood stoves. But uh, if you go with the inserts, then you have to have a good older fireplace that you can upgrade. Uh, or I shouldn't say pellet stove. The wood stove needs that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need a good uh, older fireplace to put a, uh, an insert in. Pellet stoves, I can kind of get away with uh, fixing them up. You don't always need to have a full fireplace. A lot of people with newer homes now, they're trying to heat a particular zone, like a big TV room or great room. They are actually doing a pellet insert, building it like a fireplace. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely some options depending on what you're looking for and how much you're trying to heat. Okay. Well, let's do this. Let's take a commercial break. When we come back, I want to talk about heat output. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat. Available at D&B Supply. Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them, too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop on by your favorite D&B supply. Your puppy needs the very best to grow up big and strong. 
That's why D&B stocks Science Diet puppy food for standard and large breed pups. Science Diet's got all the nutrition essential to keeping their little tails wagging and their teeth sharp while supporting their immune systems and controlling growth. And with the highest purity and quality standards, Science Diet gives you nothing but the good stuff. Choose Science Diet Puppy Blend for maximum puppy licks. Available at your favorite D&B supply. All right, Monty. Well, let's jump back into this discussion and talk about heat output. So I guess my first question would be, when it comes to maximum heat output, is there one that's going to provide you more than another if you are looking to maximize heat output? I guess between a wood-burning stove and a pellet stove. Your pellet stoves are going to do approximately maxed out about 52 to to 53,000 BTU per hour. So that's one of the better ones that we have out. Wood stoves, I have a wood fireplace that will do 90,000 BTUs an hour. Oh, wow. Uh, so it, it's a good heater. It'll do 3,000 plus square footage. And so there's definitely some differences in heat output, but your average home, 3,000 or 2,900 square feet, uh, you could buy the larger one and do a very good job of giving a good portion of your house heated with that large the, the large pellet stove. Correct. Okay. So we're talking in terms of BTUs. So for our listeners who don't know, what is a BTU? It's British Therms of Heat. I don't remember the exact wording of that, but it's the way they measure the uh, the fuel going in and the, and the heat coming out. Uh, and so that's the British Therms anyways. Okay. So that is the, the measurement. You Correct. Know? Okay. That's the measurement of how much heat you can get. So when you're looking at different options, that's going to correspond somehow to the ability to, to heat a certain amount of square footage in your home. Correct. You're going to find out what the square footage is that they're trying to heat, and then you're going to give them a suggestion of what stove or what size of stove that's going to be practical that should work. Uh, some of the things you have to look at is types of house, if it's got a large room or not, how old the house is or new the house is, because that's going to change with the insulation factors and everything that they've changed in the last few years. So yeah, definitely want to get some questions on what type of home and where they're going to put it and how big. So if you, like in my house and, and you saw my, my pellet stove, it's downstairs at one far end of the house. And here we are now upstairs at the other complete <laughs> end of the house. So if there was a pellet stove out there that said it would heat as many square feet as we have in our home, but the way we're laid out, could that make an impact on that? It's going to make a big impact. And the other thing is, is how you run it. Uh, if you're running it constant to if you're just uh, kind of doing a uh, staging through the day, uh, having on and off as you pick. Uh, thermostatically controlled, I usually end up putting something like uh, your home here. I would put the larger stove in. I would run it in the thermostat mode or I would run it in a constant mode depending on the unit you pick. And then I would run your summer fan mode in your furnace to circulate the air and that'll help heat the whole home with one unit. So just keeping that air moving around the house at the entire time. Correct. Yep. That's some, one of the biggest things. Uh, I've done it in my homes. I've had a lot of people do it in their homes, had very, very good luck with that. One of the things you will notice, though, is it seems like you'll have a constant cooler temperature throughout because you're not heating the whole home. Uh, you're only heating in one spot and mm-hmm. trying to move the air. So it's feeling cooler. Do you, If you're doing that throughout the day, do you get to the point where the rooms start to feel the temperature you want it to feel? Does it just take time or does it constantly feel that way? What we found is it, it's going to somewhat get closer to what you feel like, but uh, what I found out in the past with all the experience and years I've been around is if you take a look at your home, and all homes have a negative pressure factor, 
And so most of them run between a five and a seven negative uh, Pascals. So if you can actually positive uh, your pressure in your house, at least a one positive Pascal, Mm -hmm. and then heat your home and move your air, it's going to totally keep it warmer because it's not going to be drawing cold air from outside in cracks around windows and and under the doors and such. Now, I want to come back to that in just a second, but I wanted to ask you, when I've looked before, both at wood-burning stoves and at pellet stoves, uh, the manufacturer will put a range on there of how many square feet the stove is supposed to heat. Now, if your home is coming in right at the top end of that range, would you recommend going to the next model up? That's one of the things I've always done for people is uh, I go in, I figure out what they're trying to heat or going to heat. It says a certain square footage. Mm-hmm. If you can afford it, if you can do it, if you have the right spacing, I would always suggest to go to the next size up because you can run it at roughly half to three-quarter speed rather than full speed, and it'll last you longer, have less breakdowns, and your unit will just uh, respond better. Now, one of the benefits, that I, the way I see it, but I want you to tell me if I'm right, when it comes to pellet stoves, is that for somebody who has a home that wasn't built to have a wood-burning wood stove fireplace in it, there's no fireplace hearth, there's nothing existing, with a pellet stove, you can actually get installation kits where you could put the appropriate material down on the floor underneath the pellet stove and run the vent right out through a wall in a horizontal fashion, can't you? Correct. Yeah, and that's some of the stuff that HHT, when I was working there, we did a lot of. And, uh, yep, going out the wall is very doable. And I think every unit that we have on the market uh, through DMB is available to do it right out and stop. One thing I would do is I would suggest to give it a five-foot rise, either in-house or out. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you do have power outages, it helps draw the smoke out like you would a wood stove. Okay. And as far as uh, the pellet stove, yeah, you just need a, a spark arrestor type for protection that is a designated size depending on each unit that you buy. Okay. So for somebody who doesn't have a house that was necessarily built for this, they can get a form of wood heat in there almost immediately with, I guess, a minimum of alteration to the home with a pellet stove. Yeah, you can get the, the pellet stove, not just the wood stove, but pellet stove, yes. Uh, you can run it out the wall and get that. But if you go to the wood, uh, as you're suggesting, uh, we definitely want to look at that. Try to get it out the wall and up or through the ceilings. The ceilings actually is the better uh, penetration hole. Got it. Okay. Well, let's take another commercial break. And when we come back, I want to ask you about that negative versus positive pressure. D&B knows that life in the West is defined by hard work, innovation, and constant improvement. These values made the West what it is today. And these are the values that have made Wrangler the defining Western brand since 1947. Wrangler apparel is designed to feel good in the saddle, look sharp at the rodeo, and work hard on the ranch. That's why Wrangler fits with classic Western heritage like a boot in a stirrup. For clothing that's a good value and steeped in Western values, stock up on Wrangler at your favorite D&B supply. Know what looks good with a cowboy hat? Panhandle Western Apparel and Rock and Roll Denim, available at D&B Supply. Over 70 years ago, Panhandle started putting snaps on their popular gambler-style shirt and soon became a runaway hit with cowboys and cowgirls everywhere. In the 21st century, they formed Rock and Roll Denim too, with fashion-forward looks and high-class jeans that fit any style. With designs both classic and fresh, get decked out for life in the West with Panhandle shirts and Rock and Roll Denim at D&B. Okay, so Monty, I want to ask you about negative versus positive pressure. So first of all, explain to us what that means. Uh, Negative Pascal, uh, that is a negative. All houses will have a negative Pascal. In the experience that I've had throughout the the United States working on them, 
It's going to change depending on the elevation of where you're putting your stove. So the basement's going to be a higher negative. Middle floor is going to be a little less. And then the uh, upstairs is going to be close to, but usually not quite zero. So trying to get that house so it's a positive pressure is a great idea. A lot of people will have a makeup air system that you can put in like your furnace room, utility room, someplace like that, and they'll bring it in to help equalize that pressure so that way it's actually pushing air out your cracks through the windows, under the doors, wherever. And so now your house is going to feel a lot warmer. You're not going to feel those cold drafts across there. So uh, getting getting the Pascal Zero or, or, or Plus is a great option. Okay, so... Couple questions for you. What's a Pascal? It's a way of measuring a very, very small amount of airflow. If you're blowing a little bit, you're probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of a, a 12 or a 15 Pascal. So it's it's a very minor movement of air. Your house is like a chimney, and the higher you go up into the house, the less it goes uh, as far as a negative Pascal. Okay. So when we're talking about negative pressure, negative Pascal versus positive. I'm trying to envision it for our listeners, for myself as well, but if there's a crack, if you've got a, a window cracked, if you have a negative pressure, air is coming in through that window. If you have positive pressure, then air is going out through that window. Is that, am I, I'm simplifying it, but is that correct? That is correct. Yes. And that's one of the tests that you can do is if you open a window in your basement, if you have one, and you put your hand down or you'll feel a good draft coming through. Now go upstairs and open the window and you'll feel it going out. So that's kind of how it's breathing. Uh, That's what your house will do. Okay. So you talked about a makeup air system. What is that? There's some different companies out there that have makeup systems. And what it's doing is it has a uh, damper that's built within it. And then there's a blower that will run constant as that lowers or comes up, it's going to open or close that damper door as needed. And then uh, there's one that's got a heat recovery system that's built within it. So it's moving air back and forth to renew your air and to equalize that pressure. And it will steal the heat out of the, the air that's going out and as it's bringing that air in. So you don't have to heat everything again to, from zero. So now I'm trying to picture this, but is this like a big system that you have to install near your furnace or something like that? Or is this, I don't know what it is. Most people, it's, it's usually a box. The one I, I dealt with a little bit from a different vendor that, than the companies I work for, it was about uh, eight or 10 inches wide and about a foot and a half, two foot long. And it had a one blower motor in it and you'd hook it up in your furnace area, but it's not hooked to your furnace. It's bringing air from outside into that room. So now if your furnace, like in my case, my furnace is in my garage. So could I use a system like this to create positive pressure? You would not want to bring air from the outside into your, as far as into your house from the garage. Mm-hmm. So you would end up having to look at utility room or someplace like that. That would be a better source to bring that air in to okay. try to equalize your pressure. And so when you have that positive pressure within your house, then it's essentially just keeping that cold air from moving in from outside. Correct. That's okay. the whole whole picture of it. Yep. Very interesting. Now, when I, whenever I have an issue when I have to uh, do something with my pellet stove, clean it, whatever it may be, and I read up on the owner's manual, it talks in there about negative pressure. The pellet stove has sensors that are, that are sensitive to the pressure in the pellet stove, correct? Yes. Uh, it has what they call a vacuum switch. And uh, most of them have like a half inch to a one inch water column negative that it has to close the switch and then everything go into the working mode and start operating and lighting and running. Okay. So why is that? It's a safety switch. Uh, If you don't clean your stove, venting, that kind of thing, it's going to stop the stove from feeding and operating. 
So if you take that out, then anybody can run it and you can end up with a house fire. Got it. So the stove wants negative or positive pressure. What's it, what's it looking for before it kicks off? It's going to be looking for negative pressure to close the switch, and then it can go into normal mode. And then to have the uh, stove shut off, it will look at temperature. And when it hits the designated temperature, then it will go into a shutdown mode or completely shut off. So all the safety mechanisms that are built into a pellet stove, and I think that's important to talk about uh, because that's going to impact whether or not it runs for you. Correct. Yep. And that's going to tell you if you need to clean your stove, if you need to clean your venting. Actually, even in some of them, uh, if you run out of pellets, it will not let it do anything. It won't turn the auger motor till you put enough pellets in it to let it become negative in the firebox again. And so what makes it negative pressure in the firebox? Is it the fan that's turning and pushing the air or is it the heat or combination of the two? It's actually making a negative pressure in the firebox. And so there's a blower, combustion blower Mm -hmm. uh, that starts and it takes usually somewhere around 15 to 30 seconds on normal to close that switch to get enough negative. And that's drawing the air negatively through the firebox, but then positive flow on the exhaust itself. So when when somebody starts up a pellet stove, and and I guess we'll just explain the process as it goes through. So if people are having trouble, then maybe they could figure out where to start figuring out where the problem is coming from. But when you first click on a pellet stove, granted, it's it's got pellets in it, and it's clean. It's going to function properly. What's the first sensor in the, in the, the chain of events in the pellet stove, what's it looking for to make sure it's okay with starting the igniter and lighting the pellets? Number one, the, ignition, or the, uh, the vacuum switch has to close. Okay. Then it goes ahead and starts either the ignition, uh, the igniter, and or the, the feed, depending on the unit you have. Some of the units nowadays, uh, there's a warm-up period for the igniter, and then it goes ahead and starts feeding pellets. Some of them, they start automatically as soon as they get the ignition or the vacuum to close. Mm-hmm. It'll go into ignition and start feeding pellets immediately, and then it has so much time to see a set temperature before it'll continue on after it gets ignition. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take another commercial break, and when we come back, I want to continue talking about how this process builds on itself. Travel back in time for an immersive and inspiring lesson in science, technology, engineering, and history at the Warhawk Air Museum in Nampa, Idaho. At the Warhawk, you and your family will find some of the most iconic classic planes found anywhere in the West and learn how American aviation technology evolved from propellers to jet engines. And while you're there, you'll come to know the personal stories of the veterans whose commitment and sacrifice helped make our nation what it is today. For passes and more information about visiting the Warhawk Museum, go to warhawkairmuseum.org. A well-worn pair of Danner boots has become a hallmark for hard-working and hard-playing people in the West and everywhere else for that matter. Matter. Find your next pair of long-lasting, great-looking, made-in-the-USA Danner boots at DB Supply. Hold a Danner boot in your hand, and you'll notice the handcrafted precision. Try it on, and you'll feel the difference. Test it against the elements, and you'll appreciate the value of a product that's built to last. From classic hiking boots to handcrafted work boots to fashion-forward looks to fit your daily life, stop on by DB Supply to try Danner boots on for size. Okay, Monty. Well, now that we're back, I want to ask, so we've got the startup going, the igniter's warming up, the pellets have started. Now we've got flame, the exhaust fan is going. What is the pellet stove looking for now? It's going to be looking for a set temperature to say I've got heat or I've got fire. Once it does that, then it can go into the standard run mode. Like I said, depending on the unit or the the brand of unit you have. So there's some differences in some of those. But that's the biggest thing is we're looking for the next step in that's temperature so it can continue to run or 
it's looking for that temperature also to shut it off or, you know, what's going on in the room temp. So is it looking for, I guess, two temperatures, one at a minimum and one at a maximum? It kind of is, but uh, in startup mode, it's going to look at a, I have to have this temperature, uh, like one of the brands we sell, it's going to see about 135, and it's going to start feeding. Then it's going to see about 142, 145, and it'll start a convection blower. And so it sees these different temperatures, and it lets certain parts of the control board run the stove until it hits set temperature that you've set it at for the, the actual home. So that would be your thermostat set. That would be your thermostat, correct. In the run mode for the pellet stove, is there a maximum temperature setting? I guess, is there a temperature where there's an indicator to the pellet stove that, hey, this is too hot, there's a fire danger, we're shutting it down? Actually, there's a couple of them. Uh, three uh, three snap disks on, on the quadrifier ones. There's a number one, number two, and a number three snap disk. And so your number one is turning on your convection blower or your room air blower. And so then number two, it keeps the blower running. And if it sees too high of a temperature, then it will shut everything off except for the combustion blower. Uh, that way it stops feeding and it cools the unit down without smoking the house up. And then if it gets into a, a hopper fire or a drop shoot uh, fire, it sees about uh, 250 degrees and then it should shut and pop that one. So it shuts everything down. Everything stops at that Correct. point. Okay. Now, will pellets without that convection, without those fans running and without those blowers going, will they continue to burn? They will for a short time, uh, usually, or smolder, and that's what we've ran into. If you let your stove get too dirty and it ends up catching fire, like I'm talking about, uh, it can smolder and smoke and mess up your house and possibly even burn up some of the stuff around and in the stove, depending on the unit. And so... To guard against that, to guard against letting your stove get too dirty, how often should you be cleaning it? I always suggest cleaning your venting at least just a little while before you're going to use it in the fall. I've had bees and and such build nests in them, which Mm -hmm. ends up not letting your stove work properly. Uh, Otherwise, it's how many tons of pellets or how many bags of pellets am I going through and how hard am I running it? Some of the stuff you're going to want to do daily. Some of it's weekly. And then there's at least once a year cleaning the whole chimney, I suggest. Okay. So like in my case, I've got a really long chimney. Do I need to call somebody to clean that or is there a way for me to do it myself? Depends on how brave you are to go up on the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> I see it's an insert. So if you have the, your, your cleaning rods and your brush, that can go up, pop the top off on the cap, and then clean it. Check your cap out. Make sure it's clean. Uh, but most of the time, most people are, are hiring somebody to come out and take a look and clean the complete stove at least once a year. Depending on the company, it's usually somewhere's neighborhood of uh, $100 up to $140 or $50, depending on companies. All right. And then you mentioned cleaning. You might have to do something once a day. What would that be? I suggest uh, anytime you're putting pellets in it, uh, there's a, like on the quadrifier, it has a cleaning rod for the pot. I suggest pulling that multiple times that day if it's not running. The other one is there's some scraper rods on the tubes for some of the quads. And so anytime you're putting pellets in it too, I suggest pulling them out three or four times and keeping the ash knocked off. That way you're going to get a better heat transfer and then your stove's going to operate better. And then for other makes of pellet stoves that don't operate with those, and when you're talking about the the heating tubes, you're talking about the tubes that hot air actually transfers into and then it blows through those tubes and blows them out into the room. How do other pellet stoves that don't use that technology, how do they transfer the heat out into the room? It's resident time. So there's a, a certain amount of 
time that the airs slowed down some and resident and like the quadrifier Mount Vernon. When we designed that, when I worked for the company, it has like an arrow, air wing, airplane wing type shape to it. So it makes the air crash when it comes back to the backside. So it's got them set off to the side. So it's moving the air, zigzagging through the whole place. So that's your, your resonant time that you need there. Those need to be clean, similar to the scraping rods, but that's uh, not as often, but you have to drop a baffle down and, and brush them off. The Harman brand that we're selling also, very good brand. It has a heat exchanger in it, but it needs to be scraped. Um, usually somewhere in the neighborhood of once once a month or so, scrape it off, but some of them are different. They have from the fluted piece that I'm kind of talking about to a point of uh, louvered. And so you just scrape that off and get the heat transfer through that. Very quickly, very easy. Uh, brushing them off will work. And then uh, the area that the, the Helator brand that we're selling that has a baffle system and there's no real major heat exchanger, but if you keep your baffle system clean so the air travels through, that will actually let the air pass where it belongs so you'll get more resident time in that transfer the heat out into your room. All right. Well, there's a lot there to keep up with her. It sounds like there's a lot there, but really, I think once you figure it out and you get kind of into a routine, it's really not that overwhelming. Uh, correct. Yeah. The big thing is, is uh, there's usually a manual that comes with your unit. Uh, so look through the manual, read it, find the cleaning points on it, and it's going to suggest to you, uh, you know, a certain designated time, roughly, how I should clean what part. So that's some of the stuff to kind of learn. And then depending on your brand of pellets that you're going to be using, that's going to kind of lead you in a direction to how often I should clean certain parts of the stove also. So that's your biggest thing is, is look at the manual, read the manual. Some of the units will come with a CD, put it in, take a few minutes to look at it. It'll clue you in of what you should or should not do and how you should do it. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take another commercial break. And when we come back, I want to troubleshoot just a couple common problems that we have with these. Okay. Trekking to the mountains this fall and winter? Or got work to do in the cooler temps? D&B's got you covered with Cool Outdoor Apparel. Cool's cold weather gear was designed for life in the mountains, so it delivers peak performance and maximum movement without packing on the pounds. And Cool's soft and breathable fabrics wick away moisture, control odor, and protect you from the harsh elements. Cool Apparel, born in the mountains. Available at your favorite D&B supply. As the weather turns foul, it's time to tend to your flock. And that means taking care of your chicken's nutritional needs with NatureWise Feather Fixer. NatureWise Feather Fixer feeds your fowl the protein and energy they need to molt quicker and regrow feathers faster. It's also packed with trace minerals for stronger shells, pre- and probiotics that support digestion, and nutrients your chickens will miss when your grass isn't so green. NatureWise Feather Fixer Pelleted Poultry Feed. Available at your favorite D&B Supply. All right, Monty. Well, let's talk about this. So it's startup. It's really important that the auger start turning. Otherwise, no pellets are going to go into the pot to burn. So if you click the on button, whatever that may be for whatever type of pellet stove you have, and you can't hear, see, or the auger's just not turning, what should you be thinking? Number one is, does it have power? That's one of the questions I always ask people. Is it plugged into the wall? And is there power going to that outlet? Uh, so that's number one to check. The other one is, is it got pellets in it? And so many of the pellet stoves too nowadays will have it. So if you open the front door or if you open the hopper door, it will not feed or put pellets in. That's a safety feature. So make sure that your doors are all closed. Everything's in the operating mode as it's told you to do in the manual. 
So that's some of the first things you want to take and look at. And then, of course, the pellets being in there and having enough pellets in there, uh, as I was talking earlier about the vacuum that it has to create. So if there's not enough in some of the ones, it's not going to have the uh, auger operate. Now, once it starts up and you've got a fire in the pot, if the auger stops feeding at that point, what's that indicating to you? Could be that you've lost power, but if the rest of the stove is working, probably not. Could be a jam. Once in a while, I'll find something such as a walnut in one of one of the stoves once. And then on some of the auger systems, I've had people where the kids will drop toys, rubber toys, different toys <laughs> inside the hopper. So it'll jam the pellet uh, auger system. And so then you'd have to have a technician come out and tear it all apart and clean it and go through that. And a clinker. This is a term I've read about, so this is an official term. It's in my owner's manual. What's a clinker? How does it impact performance? Uh, clinker, uh, they are dirt that's in your pellets, depending on how the company has handled their byproducts that are making the pellets. If there's a lot of bark, different things like that, that's still in the wood as they're processing it. So that's it's a sand and dirt. So that what it does is uh, with the heat and the fire that's going on, it tries to melt and collect everything together. And so it can't blow itself out. So it slowly builds up at the bottom of the pot. And so it can be pretty hard or it can be kind of soft depending on your pellets and how often you clean that. that. But it's just a hard mass of ash content is what it is. That's going to vary with the different brands of pellets that you purchase? Uh, it actually could vary from different bags to different tonnage. In the past, I've used one brand of pellets. And I've had two or three ton that were great, and I had one that was a real challenge to run, and I had a lot of clinkers because something happened in their processing where it got dirt or something mixed with it. So, yeah, it just happened to be that uh, okay. you know had a bad batch. Now, when you kick on the pellet stove, but it's not lighting, let's say that the auger's feeding, you can hear it or you can see the pellets coming out, but you're not getting it lit, and you want to know if your igniter's working properly – you know, we don't want people to burn themselves. So what's a safe way for people to figure this out? Depending on your brand of stove, the Harman, it has actually a light that shows that the light's on and you should be getting electricity that's going to the igniter. So the only way to find out if that's working is to open a door usually and then slide some pellets away real carefully in the pot mm-hmm. and feel if you can feel a little bit of heat coming off that. Quadrifier, you can kind of do the same thing. There is no light saying that the igniter is on. But the, the other way, and, and this is very, very carefully, opening up the bottom of the ash pan zone mm-hmm. and slowly running something in or see if you can take a mirror and look and see if it's got a red glow to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the quadrifier is very, very easy to see that with. It has some louvers or vented areas on it. So a, a mirror uh, definitely can take a look and see what's going on under the hot area. Now, when it comes to the maintenance and the cleaning of a pellet stove, I mean, one of the nice things about them is kind of the ambiance, the ability to see the fire and to have that glow in the room. But of course, over time, the glass on your door is going to get dirty and that people are going to want to clean that off. Is there a way to do that that's not going to, well, I guess, how should you do that so you're not going to do any damage to your stove? Can you use just regular window cleaner? Some people do. One of the things I would suggest is use, if you're going to use like a uh, window spray uh, Windex, have ammonia free. Some of the units, uh, it will change the discoloration of your glass. But there is a solution uh, that you can buy at the store that you can spray on actually that's made for pellet cleaning or wood cleaning. And that's what I use all the time. It cuts the creosote and the different things on the glass a little bit better. So I wash it down with that. And uh, one of the things that if you see a lot of black on your glass or on mm-hmm. parts of the stove inside, that's one of the, the very quick issues to say, hey, I've got too much fuel, not enough air. So the unit could be needing cleaning. 
the venting could be needing to be cleaned and or maybe readjusted for the amount of fuel that you're using. Okay. So talking about this, your door, your door on your pellet stove, it's going to have rope going around three sides of the rectangle, correct? Correct. Okay. How frequently should that rope be replaced? Depends on how you treat it when you clean it. Uh, If it starts getting majorly frayed and looking like it's kind of wearing out, I would definitely think about getting it because that's what's going to seal the door so that you can get the negative pressure in your firebox. If you don't have negative pressure, you're not going to get a a unit that's working. Uh, The Harman, though, doesn't have an air wash area like that or coming through the glass. Mm -hmm. It comes through built within the stove. So there is some differences in different models, but uh, the quadrifier, normally all those that I can think of all have a air wash that works off part of the door system or the glass system. And how does the cleaning of that glass cleaning of the door impact the length of life you'll get out of that rope? It doesn't really change the length as long as you're not abusing the rope. What happens is if you're cleaning and, and trying to keep your glass clean, a lot of people will rub it real bad with their paper towel or whatever they're using. Mm-hmm. So anytime it's what it is is minor fiberglass particles or fabric. So you, as you're rubbing it, it's wearing it, it's fraying it. So that's the big thing I'm talking about is to wash your window, be careful, but gently move your rope out of the way so that you aren't pushing it and rubbing it very hard to, to break it up. Okay. Now, when it comes to selecting pellets, what do you tell people? How do you, people ask you for your recommendation? I'm sure you've got your favorites, but how do you tell people to figure out what works best in their pellet stoves? Some of the stoves depends on the stove you're getting and the BTUs. So uh, the big thing is, is I suggest uh, a couple of the major brands uh, that I've used, and that's the only ones I can kind of really feel comfortable saying I know they work. Uh, but there is definitely many brands out there. They all work well, and you sometimes can find a brand that works better for each stove and each uh, installation because each installation, you're going to have different types of venting and different sizes and shapes, so how the airflow travels through it will definitely uh, make a difference in how it responds. Well, I guess last question for you is when should somebody kind of throw in the towel, and maybe that's a bad way to put it, (laughs) and call you and say, I need your help? Some of it's going to be how soon do you need heat? Do I have the expertise to actually troubleshoot it properly? One of the biggest things I see is people buying parts, putting parts in that doesn't really need to be changed. So the whole process I go through is I know what they should do and be able to hook up meters to testing the product in the, in a right way and saving them some money, I hope, as far as in parts because the motors are very expensive and some of this other stuff. So yeah, it's definitely a, a smarter way to go quite often is to have a certified service tech come and visit. Okay. Well, Monty, this has been great. What else do people need to know about pellet stoves that I haven't asked you? I guess just the convenience. Think about what do you want out of out of your stove that you're buying? Do you want the headaches to chase wood down or do you want to push a button? So again, I really think about that and then come in and visit with us and we can kind of lead you some different directions and we can ask you some different questions of what you're hoping to, to get out of the whole operation of buying and getting it done. And then the convenience of the installation. Some of that leads into what stove will fit better in your house. Uh, location, eaves, windage. I mean, that, some of that stuff needs to be taken into consideration before you buy a stove. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for helping us and sharing this information and uh, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you all for joining us today and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.